rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So, Richard, are you ready to talk about terms of endearment, or as I like to call it, the fetal dead? Isn't Sally Field in this? Uh, no, you're thinking of uh, another thing. <laughs> so, the X-Files is back with a Monster of the Week. I feel like these two episodes are perhaps indications of something that you mentioned in a previous episode of Tuning In, that the X-Files maybe is getting a little bored with itself. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, this is the return to form. This is the new level. This is the lighter comedic X-Files. And uh, I think these two episodes were better at navigating their tone between the light kind of comedic elements and the it being an actual serious episode with actual stakes that we actually care about and actual characters who are actual people, which is stuff that, for example, Dreamland wasn't able to do. Um, it's not to say that these were good episodes, but I found this a much more enjoyable week to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I mean, like, like I feel it, like these episodes are almost beyond criticism. <laughs> and, and in a certain sense, these are these really feel like two episodes of the X-Files where Mulder and Scully know that they're on a television show called the X-Files. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's almost as though the writers are experimenting with throwing out the idea that Mulder and Scully are real people well and the show is starting to feel like fan fiction of itself because you know when you read fan fiction you aren't dealing with the actual characters you aren't dealing with actual characters you aren't dealing with plots that are completely coherent and it's a weird kind of limbo area that like that's closer to the tone of what these are because it really doesn't quite feel like the same Mulder and Scully it feels almost like an impression of Mulder and Scully it feels like an impression of the X-Files done with you know a a, a teenager's weird uh tone issues towards it like it's it's getting very bizarre yeah, and it it, it, it it kind of gets out of this. I mean, it, it it's definitely leaning into or turning into this kind of thing. <laughs> and 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 it does it does kind of lean out of it a little bit. Um and I think that that this part of the X Files is just it, it's it's always been a weird show and it's always been yeah. difficult to read as a whole. But but this season in particular has has started out very strangely and just continues in very, very strange directions. And, well, like, The Rain King is obviously a very different episode yeah. in terms of endearment. I think this is only really the, like, second episode of the show that, this season anyway, that that has been sort of a, like... Th- this is a pretty bog-standard, straightforward Monster of the Week episode. There's yeah. not a lot of comedy in it. I think any of the comedy that is found in the episode is really coming out of Bruce Campbell's performance more than anything else. Yeah, and And it's that weird Bruce Campbell thing where it's not quite funny, but it's a weird, like, I don't know, he, he, 
He's not, I don't find him a funny actor, but he is not a serious actor. I can't take him 100% seriously, but it's not like he plays his roles ironically, like he is committing to the character, but yeah, that weird. No, he, he, he plays this role of Wayne very, very straightforwardly and very seriously. I think a lot of it has to do with Bruce Campbell's face. I just think (laughs) he has a funny looking face. And I'm not even saying like he's ugly or anything. I mean, he's an attractive man. And if he walked into my bedroom right now, I'd have to leave the the podcast um, for about 45 minutes. But it it is the case that he does just have a very, it's a very striking face. It's a very singular face. It's, It's just, it's very weird. And I think also part of it is his... What he's best known for, of course, yeah. is the Evil Dead series, and that is, of course, a funny series. So I think that that's part of it as well. And while this episode is, I mean, in a way, in a way, it's kind of brilliant casting, right? Like here is a demon story riff on Rosemary's Baby, and let's cast perhaps one of the like most well-known cult comedy horror classic actors to play our very straightforward take on a rosemary's baby story it's it's kind of brilliant in a meta way and i think he does a good job with it and i think the episode is well constructed and moves along at a nice pace and all of that stuff yeah i mean Uh, there is we're edging or we edge around camp on this episode this is not a campy episode but this is one of those skewed takes on suburbia, which uh, is kind of a, um, I mean, an element of camp that I find very important. It's making fun of of straight people in that way. Like this is an episode that has kind of a low opinion of heterosexual relationships, which is, I think part of why I liked it. Like this is taking the general, I want to have a family and a baby and be normal. And, deconstructing it in a way to make it just silly and weird and unsustainable and kind of horrifying. I mean, let, let, yeah, let, in a certain, yeah, let's be yeah, honest I mean, about well, guess... what this symbolizes. This is an episode which is symbolically about, uh, is it right to abort a baby who is going to have a birth defect? I mean, that is what this episode is based around. And, it certainly doesn't treat it with the severity and heaviness that that theme could be taken on, but that is underlying this. There is a fucked up to this American dream as portrayed in this episode. Yeah, and I mean, well, I, I will say that, that I think that there are uh, – y- I think you have inadvertently just highlighted the major problem with Terms of Endearment is that um, it is not a great episode of The X-Files because – it is very unclear to me what this episode is trying to say. And in the space of about a minute, you said it was about suburbia. It was a commentary on straight people and it was a commentary on abortion. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, I agree with you. All of those things are contained within this episode, but it's not about any of those things because it doesn't engage with any of them on a deep enough level or with enough screen time or running time, honestly, to really get at the meat of any of those things. I mean, the 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 fact that the fact that these babies are are being stolen by the demon Wayne and being buried in the backyard and burned I, I I think is very incidental to the 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 sort of emotionality of his character and in a sense I think that that if you can say this episode is about anything in particular 
it is once again trying to get at the core of humanity of the monster of the week. And, you know, we like Wayne, right? I mean, well, I like Wayne. I, I, I feel for this guy. Now, of course, he's doing horrible things. But then again, he is a demon. But I I struggle with what else we are supposed to get out of this episode because I feel like this has been done better before. Yeah. And while it's all very entertaining and it's a different riff on, on a sort of demon story, you know, at the end of the day, like, this is... Like, they could have gone in two different directions, right? Like, take this very seriously and hone in on one thing that they want to talk about. Or lean more heavily towards the sort of, like, meta-textual commentary on the X-Files as a television show, where Scully says things like, yes, I know, I know about this. This is the plot of Rosemary's Baby, and, like, really lean into that. But but the show, it just feels like an episode that didn't really know what it wanted to do and therefore yeah. didn't really make any choices. Well, yeah, and, and I'm thinking of you're, – you're right. I am thinking of better versions of that. Something like Home, for example, was a very strong riff on Andy Griffith and that kind of uh, idyllic small-town America kind of stuff. And, but, it, but it used those elements to highlight the horror of it, and it used those elements very well. It wasn't a – it was an, an it wasn't an ironic use of it to be slick and hip and too cool for it. It uses used it to contrast to the horrors in it, um, or something like Sanguinarium, which took a relatively serious topic, obsession with uh, appearance and plastic surgery and all of that, and just kind of used it to be this ridiculous, bloody episode that was just fun and you have to watch through through your fingers, like. It, it's true that terms of endearment doesn't really go into either either tone. It tries to be too many things, and it doesn't really succeed at being any of them. You're, I, I I would agree that a tighter. It's not a great episode. It's true it, because I think it does do too much. Yeah, it does too much, and I mean, I think that that a lot of the reason why it's pretty obvious that that it's trying to do too much is. It relies on 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 surprise and shock value. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking specifically of you know the shock of oh Wayne is actually the demon, and then the shock of oh his other wife. Yeah. <laughs> and then the shock of oh his other wife is also a demon, and and after a while you become sort of inured to to surprise. I mean, this is a, a large yeah. reason why um, serialized television doesn't work because it just has to completely like continue to one up itself over and over again. And you just become sort of numb to it after a while. And I, I think the, I mean, the irony of a demon wanting to be a, a normal person, quote unquote, and have a normal family, quote unquote, um, is, is somewhat emotionally moving, but at the same time, is it supposed to be ironic that if Wayne had accepted himself, he maybe could have found happiness with his demon wife and I mean, demon child? That's where I thought that the episode was going with it. Yeah, I, I, I thought that it was going to be the two of them. A, a shot of them, the two of them in the park with a very covered carriage and like they're happy and they've managed to, even though he had been chasing this ideal dream, because I mean, let's let let's. The, the episode does make the episode is about immigration as well. Here's another point on it because he is he, he, <laughs> what what isn't this episode about, Richard? I know, I know. Um, uh, is this episode about a trade war with China? Does it have any resonances about that? Uh, it, it, it depends on where the baby monitor was made. Um, ah, again, doing too much, but there there does seem to be an attempt to be a 
he is somebody who, as you said, can't accept himself, can't uh, see himself as normal when here is this the, – the succubus character is somebody who uh, does very much appreciate the background of who what, – of what she is and her, her desire is to have a child who is proudly all of those things rather than hiding it and – Again, yeah. that's something that they could have done something with, but uh, they don't. It is yeah, a because very... I mean, doesn't it doesn't it kind of feel like Bruce Campbell's character is in a completely different episode than everyone else in this episode? <laughs> like <laughs> Bruce Campbell's character is a very serious character who is in, in, embroiled in in very emotional torment and. The all the other characters are in some sort of strange farce. I mean, you know, Mulder's driving yeah. around like waving at him menacingly and 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 being sort of a snide asshole. And and you know, his his first wife is is kind of like a, a you know she's kind of a humorous character. His second wife is is obviously played up for laughs because she's much more conventionally attractive than his first wife, and she's like glamorous and she, you know and all this kind of stuff. Scully is just doing whatever Scully does. I mean, it it, it really does feel like. This is kind of a, yeah. an aborted, not not to you know, not to make a pun. Um, <laughs> it, it attempted a comedy episode, and Bruce Campbell like read the script or something and said, "I don't want to play it like this," and and that's fine. I mean, I I don't know, like like talking about it. I think it sounds like I don't like this episode, and I do, but I think I like it in spite of its problems. I think I I, I think that's a perfect way to say it because again. And this is an episode where you put somebody else in the lead role and it's going to fall apart. It does. Oh, yeah. He Campbell is a very charming and charismatic actor whenever he's in anything. And it's, again, like the Lily Taylor episode where the actor elevates the material. And I don't know. I, 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 when you said Scully doing what she's doing, like Scully really is stopped giving a fuck at this point. Like she, she, this is a very, she's consistently a lot more tired of all the bullshit in general, uh, which is an obvious, like I, I, and I'm sure Gillian Anderson was so tired at this point. Like she's not acting as hard as she used to because she doesn't need to, but. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a certain degree, like, like this is the sixth season of a television yeah. show, and so they're able to, to pull off these characters with, with a little bit more effort than than perhaps they had to, yeah. to pull out in the in the past. Not to say they're not still working hard, because of course they are. But well, you know, I think what what's interesting about about Scully's evolution in the sixth season, ever since they they got uh, unassigned from the X Files back in the in the fifth season finale. Is that like, I think for, for Scully, a lot of her attitude in these episodes is due to the fact that she is not assigned to the X-Files anymore. She is apparently conducting some sort of strange background check to, to people that she doesn't really want to. Uh, and it's very boring work, but she's a team yeah. player and she believes in, in bureaucracy and she's going to do the best job that she can be um, at the job she's assigned to do. But then she she still finds herself in bumfuck Virginia yeah. investigating one of Mulder's weird, strange peccadilloes or obsessions. And I think she's kind of like, what am I here? Why am I here? What, yeah. what, am, I do- what am I doing this for? And it's not, not like, why is she here? Like she doesn't understand why she's there, but like more on an existential level, like why is she drawn to continue to do this? Even though, 
she's not on the X-Files anymore. This is not her job. And and like to take it a step further, I think it's do, like not only that, but it's it's also that she's starting to realize that like she's starting to realize like hey why am i still doing this and i think that's why yeah. I think that's why she's got such a strange attitude especially in this episode yeah I, and i mean i'm thinking about drive where um at the end she is able to convince herself no what i did helped these people i think if Scully were pulled up, pulled to secretly investigate a case where there's the killer and the killer has the girl and they have to they have 10 hours to save her and they do it. Like, Scully would gladly do that because that's something. All right, I, I'm doing tedious work and I'm doing now doing something important. And I don't care if I ha- how many rules I had to break to do this. I, I, I saved the girl. It's, it's great. Um, but – and this is a little more so in the next episode where she's, she's sneaking off to investigate – rain it, yeah. it, it's it's i think Mulder Mulder is so into the quest that he doesn't care he'll do whatever all right i got to see exotic locations in kansas now uh the the, the adventure is enough for him if it's a dead end that's he doesn't care because and that's not the case for her she's pissed off at the situation she's pissed off it needed to sneak and she's pissed off at the fact that frankly most of the stuff she's investigated has turned out to be nothing i mean we aren't seeing the episode in between terms of endearment and rain king where they snuck off to louisiana and it was nothing and they just wasted three days yeah yeah well because yeah i think all that's right and then the other part of it too of course is like Mulder has a different attitude as well because I think he's got nothing to lose. Like he doesn't. Yeah. Like, he obviously just wants to continue to 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 investigate X Files and and is going to do it whether or not the FBI wants him to do it. And I guess he's just going to like dare them to fire him because I don't know he's a white guy and I guess he can get away with this stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like I still don't think that Mulder is. I want to say Mulder's not happy with the state of affairs because he is having to fly by the seat of his pants more than perhaps he had to when he was like actually assigned to the X-Files and had resources under his disposal. But at the same time, that's kind of a that's a mode of being that Mulder is very well versed in kind of like, yeah, doing things on the fly. And so it it's an interesting juxtaposition to see. Mulder be so like kind of pleased with himself and pleased with you know pleased with how things are going while Scully is not and well, and well it, and, and I think it's further contrasted like this episode doesn't have any of the shipping stuff but then next episode also leans a little bit more heavily into the Mulder and Scully shipping and you know I think I think part of the part of the reason why they started leaning more into the shipping stuff in the sixth season is because they they were trying to figure out why absent an actual reason to stay together, namely the X-Files, yeah. Mulder and Scully continue to want to work together. Yeah. It, it, after I, 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 these episodes are trying to have it both ways where they – because they, I, I think they're really quickly realizing a tension, which is that 
they're fucking off every week and they're taking trips here and they're secretly doing all this stuff when they've been caught a couple times by Kirsch already and so and they know they're under Kirsch's radar like Kirsch makes it his it it it, it they are keeping the tabs on Mulder and Scully is slowly becoming a higher priority for Kirsch and the more they do it, and it's becoming easier to catch them every time. So I guess the question is, yes, they can get away with it in Drive. They can get away with it in Dreamland, but Jesus Christ, haven't they, haven't they assembled enough documentation to fire them by now? Like, how many misappropriation of company resources have they found? Well, and I think, I mean, you know, not, not to not to start spinning this off, but I think that, that maybe part of that is is just like they still want to keep Mulder under their thumb at least a little bit. And maybe they want to drive him out. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But we'll we'll find out, of course. I mean, I, you know, th- this state of affairs cannot continue until the end of the series. So. No, it, it, it almost seems like, though, you're, I mean, I guess there's that, but it almost seems like, well, we'd rather he quit so we don't have to pay his, pay his unemployment benefits. Like, what is their possible motivation for whether he quits or he's fired and is out on his own is the same state of affairs for them. And it's – he loses so much resources. He loses his ability, for example, to sneak into Spender's office and go through his trash. I, <laughs> he he, he, he very quickly I, loses all of his resources. I, I do like – I mean the Rain King notwithstanding because the Rain King basically gives absolutely no justification for why Mulder and Scully are there investigating yeah. this uh, and, and don't mention anything to do with this at all. Um, I, I do like the the idea introduced in this episode that Mulder's sneaking into yeah. Spender's office in the middle of the night and going through his trash and like painstakingly <laughs> putting back together the shredded documents. I, I mean – like Spender's not in the show a lot. I think they use him pretty well. Oh yeah, and that's another reason why I think this episode is so weird and why it's so hard to figure out. Is like it starts off on this really comedic note, and like Mulder seems like he's in a comedy episode, and Dave Duchovny's playing it like he's in yeah. a comedy episode. But then like there's so much about this this that is just way too dark well, for a comedy episode. Yeah, on a network television in 1998, 99, you can't have a show about with our eight dead babies and have it be funny. I mean, I I I I I can very easily conceive of a show where eight dead dead babies is very funny, but they just couldn't do it at this time in this medium. And yeah, certainly. And I mean, I also don't want to don't want to discount, um, you know, his his first wife that we see because she is an innocent victim in all of this. And you know, I, I I don't I don't have a ton to say about it, but I think that that it's just important to recognize that because what what Wayne is doing is not yes. without harm. And the 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 kind of like funny, ironic ending to the episode yeah. couldn't happen without that happening, but it is still it is still a shame, I think. Yeah, and I think the episode does recognize that. It does revive her at the end, and even though, yes, she's lost her husband, she's going to she's alive, she will get through it kind of a thing so yeah, yeah. I, I, I and i kind of do appreciate that of it and and you know to to speak of irony as well like i do appreciate the fact that this episode features one of the most 90s musical oh my god yeah time. 
<laughs> the badass demons listen to Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage. Like, yeah, they're tough. They're driving in their convertible and listening to Garbage. All right. Well, I think that's it for Terms of Endearment. Let's move on to the Rain King. But before we do that, I do want to take an opportunity to remind all of you listening to this that tuning in is listener supported. We rely on your donations each and every month to continue to bring this podcast and our other podcast, Trek About, to you. So please go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and give generously. So I have a really big problem with the premise of the Rain King. Is it toxic masculinity? No, it's the fact that I don't understand what they mean by it not raining. Like, well, I, they, Richard, I, um, I, let, I think that for 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 people that um, that do live in the Pacific Northwest, um, <laughs> water falling from the sky is not a constant and ever present event. How, I don't understand what you mean. I mean, it, it, it's rained like three times already today. It's great. It's a beautiful day because there's been like twenty total minutes of sun. Uh, it's it's one. I it's wonderful. Joking aside, I think this is a very. I mean, it, 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 this episode is a big indicator that we are not filming in the Pacific Northwest anymore. I mean, this episode could not have been conceived of before that when they were working in uh, Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been very difficult to pull off. And and I mean, you know, jokes aside, the mountains of Kansas, for instance. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked a lot about how the, the shooting location has, has really changed the look of the show. And I, I believe the Terms of Endearment was the first episode of the sixth season that plausibly could take place in an area that, that wasn't California. Yeah, yeah. You know, Virginia. And they did a good job of pulling that off. And I think that the Terms of Endearment probably looked the closest to um, Vancouver X-Files. But but they are really leaning into the the sort of like different quality of, of the sunlight in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fine. Like, I think it, it, it's a different look for the show Sure. Yeah. And but, different... but as we've already seen in like Drive, as we've as we've now seen in the Rain King, they are able to do different things than they were able to do before, just by dint of the fact that yeah. they moved their their shooting location. Yeah, and I mean obviously they could have No, you're and I I, mean, I guess Drive they couldn't have done. I don't know, they pick a sunny day, but uh I really like. It's still not going to look like the desert of Southern California. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 true. Um, I really liked this episode. I know this is probably not one of the great X Files episodes, but I. It's an episode which, uh, and again, whether I don't like the shipping, I don't find the shipping interesting, but I know they're doing this, and I know the X Files wants to do an episode that is. Not just featuring shipping, but about the shipping. And I thought this was probably the most clever and interesting incarnation on let's discuss our intentions with the shipping of the characters that it could have been. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like this episode as much as you. I, I think it's just okay. And and part of the reason why I think it's just okay is that I I don't think it's very funny. Like a lot of yeah. a lot of the comedy in this episode. I mean, comedy is subjective anyway, but a lot of it to me just falls flat and And I can see that this might not might be even less of an interesting episode the second and third time around. 
Yeah, that that's certainly true. But but I do think that that your idea about about this episode being about the shipping and about Mulder and Scully's mm-hmm. relationship is is really is really an interesting one because this is the first episode of season six, as I said before, where they don't make any sort of attempt to justify why Mulder and Scully are are investigating this you know there's no mention of curse there's no mention of we should be looking for fertilizer you know whatever i mean and i think that's actually more that that's a more intentional choice than perhaps i thought at first because they they are doing that because this is what Mulder and scully do and yeah. Mulder and Scully both seem a lot more engaged in this episode than they did in last episode, Scully particularly. And a lot of it is just, you know, most of this episode is just about why are Mulder and Scully not fucking? And I mean, I don't know that we needed an answer to that question, but but they're trying to give us one, which I think is indicative of something. Yeah. Um, number one, now that I'm thinking on it, this actually is an ep. The episode's lack of addressing why they're here seems very blatant because this is one that they don't even need an excuse to go. They are working in agricultural investigations and stuff. They could just very easily be in town for for their work and not even need to hide it from Curse. That could be very easily mentioned. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the question of... Why Smulder and Scully are not fucking, why they still stick together, why they, in some ways, I think the, um, I think the romantic relationships in this episode are, are portrayed as very ridiculous. This is seen as a lot of small town hick stuff in a way. I mean, the, the, the big flaw of this episode that is that it does look down on the hex a little bit, and that is something that the X Files does. Um, this is yeah, I was less... about to say welcome, welcome to the X Files. I, I mean, th- this this is another episode along the lines of uh, El Mundo Hira, where uh, we have a small town community that is being devastated by certain systemic forces that will collapse and. Uh, the the supernatural stuff in this is this community telling itself these stories out of sheer desperation. And, I mean, weather is kind of the ultimate systemic uh, entity that will destroy you just as a facet of the system without it not being anybody's fault, really. Uh, so it is pretty interesting that they're, they take it in that direction, but... And again, maybe this is trying to be too many things. It or maybe it's just a bait and switch in this episode. The yeah, I, I don't think it's trying to be too many things, and I I, I do think it's a bait and switch, and I, I I think it works fine. I mean, I think this is an episode that that I that I appreciate or admire more than I actively yeah. like, and a, a lot of that just has to do with you can really see the gears of the plot turning in this episode and that's fine. I mean, it's not necessarily a problem, but it, it is a bit, um, it's a bit transparent and I am really telling a story and yeah, there is something very, very strange about this episode in that it comes across as a fable. It comes across as a fairy tale and it certainly played straight. We're not in a how the ghost stole Christmas situation where you're supposed to not really be sure if any of what you just saw actually happened or not. Um, 
but but it is very very it hews very closely to a fairy tale structure and you know six months later one year later yeah. it, it is telling a story and i mean the very end of it with you know someone under oh, yeah. what is it over the rainbow and you know kind of harkening back even to um uh like the wizard of oz right i mean that that uh, various, sh- i mean i don't yeah. think it's incidental it's set in kansas at all and you know, part of that, uh, the very ending shot where it's sort of zooming out out of the window um, is obviously a soundstage or obviously yeah. a matte painting or something. It not, You know, it doesn't look like that. And, of course, it's very nice because the weather is nice because everything is, is wonderful in this town. Um so there's some there's some weird Wizard of Oz stuff going on in this season with Triangle in this episode. And I, I, I'm yeah. not sure what's going on there. But it's an episode of The X-Files that is very difficult to parse like realistically and and yeah it well it's not quite postmodern prometheus level but i mean the ending of this episode reminds me very much of the ending of blue velvet in which it is also that very like the colors are a little too much and it's too sunny and it's too fucking happy for what's just happened. Uh, right. Obviously, the contrast is not as extreme in this episode, but it is a little sarcastic about just how nice it went. And they're happily married, and she has a baby, and the birds are singing, and it's wonderful. And particularly when you consider that, I mean, this is not a woman who makes the most, the best romantic choices. These are not people who have the best and most open and enlightened attitude towards relationships. They are not the most open or self-aware about it. Again, looking down at the Hicks, but, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's hard to take the relationship between any of these people seriously. Well, they're not, they're not real people. They're, they're, they're stand-ins for something. And, and, they're stereotypes. It is. It's. I mean, and, and, well, it, and yeah, yeah, and that's where a lot of the comedy of this comes from. But um, I mean, it all of the stereotyping is very necessary to bring about the episode's main theme, which is just that Mulder and Scully need to get drunk and have sex already at, because, come on, what? Wh- why not? Consensually, and, consensually. Yeah, drunk. of course, of course, of course. We 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 are all about consent on this podcast. In fact, we hope that you would consent towards becoming patrons of us or towards leaving a review on iTunes because it is the best way for new people to consent to listening to us. But everybody is kind of in this uh, soap opera archetype kind of thing almost, and everybody's dancing together nice at, at, at the dance at the end, and everybody's happy, and everybody's coupled up, and... Uh, the Dairy Queen lady came back to the Rain King, and Mulder and Scully, you two just need to dance and kiss and get a, get it over with. Um, all of these central casting soap opera figures are paired off as they should be your turn. Yeah, I'm with you, but I also think that that sort of thing is maybe what makes this a, a lesser episode than some of the, the great oh, yeah. episodes of The X-Files. I mean, you mentioned Postmodern Prometheus, for for instance, which I, I hadn't I hadn't clicked on as an analog to this episode, but I, I think it works really nicely as a comparison because 
and I think you, this might be a problem with the sixth season in general is that it's just not committing as much as the show used to. I can see a version of this episode that really leaned heavily on the the fairy tale aspects of this episode and stylistically made choices that made it very clear that this was a fairy tale. But but there is a verisimilitude about this episode that that takes you out from it. Yeah. And it's it's got it's got one foot in that world and it's got one foot in the fairy tale world and and neither of those are as satisfying as if it had made a choice to be completely realistic or completely fairy tale i mean a perfect example is the the opening after the the credits where Mulder and scully are flying in on the prop plane and you've got the mayor of the town and you've got this yeah. little girl doing this like dance with a boombox <laughs> next to her and it's ve- like blue- talk about blue velvet. Like that's kind of a Lynchian moment. There, and there's a very similar scene in uh, to a, to the degree that I think it this scene was even copying it a little bit in uh, the Twin Peaks film, uh, mm. wh- which of course is I mean this is a much poorer version of that scene if that's what they were going for, but. Yeah, but it's like that scene. I'm not sure what they were going yeah. for. Like, is that is that the fairy tale princess? I don't know. Who is the fairy tale princess then? And and who is? I mean, that that's what it really comes down to. Is like you can't really engage with any of these characters as real people. But then, what are you criticizing or what are you critiquing? Because, like, are you just is this just a love story? And are you just supposed to take away from it that the answer to Mulder and Scully's problems is to like confess their love to each other and then they'll live happily ever after? I mean, maybe. Yeah, th- this episode seems to be in the. This episode is of a genealogy with like Northern Exposure and Picket Fences, which is you know, the not as good as Twin Peaks quirky town shows. Um, it's trying to be a quirky town, and yet trying to be a serious look at that again. That this is they do make a very specific point to talk about how this is a town that's down on its luck. That the weather has close down all these businesses and people are failing farmers because of this and this is a very serious thing and yet it's all quirky and weird and here's all the weird people yeah it it, it it's not as if it's trying to well it's it's i mean it's 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 not as though the episode is is making a choice about any of this and i think yeah. again we get back to make a choice right like don't try and have your cake and eat it too. You need to make a choice. Is this going to be a straight episode of the X Files or is this going to be a fairy tale episode? And yeah. they don't make the choice and it becomes a lesser episode for that reason. I mean, there's so many little bits in here. We could just list them off, but I won't do that because that would be tedious to listen to. But like, you know, the heart shaped, uh, you know, hail at the beginning yeah. of the episode, for instance, you know, how could that actually happen? And, and it's a lovely idea, image, but it you're right. It doesn't – if it had been all fairy tale, it would be of a piece with it. it right, exactly. Um, and then you, of course, get this this bait and switch halfway through the episode that you think Daryl is doing this. And then you get this, uh, you know, uh, confession that um, uh, Sheila is doing it. Sheila. But then you get this confession that the weatherman is actually the one that's doing it. And all this is happening because he's secretly in love with Sheila, but he can't tell her. And – our actions or non-actions have consequences and he just needs to tell Sheila how he feels and everything is fixed as we see at the end of the episode. And that's all fine. Like that's, that's totally cool. I'm with you. And there's a reason why 
this episode as a fairy tale is taking place in a small town in Kansas and not say New York city because it couldn't work. But I guess I don't really need the show to tell me that Mulder and Scully have feelings for each other. And I guess I don't need the show to tell me that they have some sort of like unrequited love for each other. And I guess I don't need the show to tell me that they should just get it out of their systems already. I I kind of feel like, it's it's just unnecessary. And maybe it's just because like I'm not into the shipping and you're not into the shipping. Maybe if you're really into Mulder and Scully shipping, this episode is really, really one of your favorites. I guess it, what I'm seeing in the show is that there was a while around season three and four and even five where I was saying this is a really fucking confident show. This show knows that it's making really awesome TV, that it is – it's telling stories that people are responding to, and it trusts its own judgment, and it really appreciates these instincts. And now we're at a point where it feels like I don't quite know what to do. I oh look, the fans want shipping. Okay, here's something that like like it's pandering in a way that make that feels shaky. That feels like well, it's I... trying to it it, it, it it's. It's worried that it's not impressing us anymore, so now it's trying to impress us. And it's not doing as good a job. Well, I I disagree with you that the show is pandering to us about the shipping, because if it really wanted to pander to us, it would just fucking do it already. Um, But but again, I think... It is not interested in making Mulder and Scully an actual couple, and and so they are fucking with their audience, which I actually think is is kind of interesting. Fair enough. Um, Even if it does become a little tedious from time to time. So so I disagree with you on that, but I, I do think that you are seeing the show at the top of its popularity and there is nowhere to go, but down. yeah. 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 And, and this is the sixth season of a show, you know, it's just the fact of the matter that it's very difficult to make the long seasons that network television, I think still makes if I'm not incorrect, um, especially with procedurals, and and you know make it make it good. I mean, you can crank out seventeen seasons of CSI, and I'm sure the last season of CSI was was almost as good as the first. Because I, I mean, I don't know anything about CSI, so I'm sorry if you're like a super CSI fan or I'm condescending to CSI. But I, I don't think CSI is as artistic or, or revelatory as the X Files no. ever was. I mean, there's uh, a reason we're not doing Law and Order. Yeah, it it, it may be the the which is. A problem that the X Files does get to, if, if the X Files does get to that point, but it's yeah. not. I, I, it's written like a. Again, this is that weird moment in between transitioning from standard episodic to a more prestige television, and it doesn't really. It 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 has the directionlessness of. Uh, of something that's blazing a trail in a way. I mean, if, if this had been a show created during the prestige television era, by this point, they would be coasting towards something grand finale, right? Like they know they'll get their seven seasons and we should probably start slowly wrapping things up. But I know that's not what they're doing. No, no, it's not what they're doing because Chris Carter, I think, wanted to end the show and then got convinced to do the show for like three more seasons <laughs> and, and and then basically had no career after the X-Files ended and continued to try and make more X-Files. Um, so be careful what you wish for, I guess. 
All right, well, I think we'll leave it there. If you have any thoughts on terms of endearment or the Rain King, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuningandshow.com. As I said earlier in the middle of this episode, this podcast is supported by you, your generous donations. Please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. And it also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are still in the fifth season of Star Trek Voyager. So go to truckaboutshow.com and check that out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tuning and Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an Apple podcast slash iTunes review. It is the best way for new fans to find us. All right, Richard. Next week, we're going to be covering SR819, written by, I'm not going to say who, and Tythonus, written by, I'm not going to say who. <gasps> it's a mystery week. Mac. Why do you...